0: And at checkout, enter the discount code Nation 30. That's NATION30 for 30 percent off of your purchase. Welcome
1: back everybody to another episode of the Michigan Life Outdoors Podcast. Thank you for being here. I hope your hunting season's going good, whatever that might be, whether it be for you know, whitetail, ducks, whatever it is, waterfowl. I hope you guys are out there grinding, getting it done getting some animals on the ground and in the freezer. Wanted to apologize. We've been gone for a little bit because a lot of us here on the Michigan Life Outdoor Crew have been hunting our asses off. We've been out west, Colorado, Montana. We've been grinding it out here during the rut in Michigan, Ohio, and some other areas and things like that. But we are back and ready to, uh, you know, deliver some great content to you guys. Carson and I meet up. I drove down to Ohio uh, to meet up with him at their deer camp down there, and um, we just have a BS session about the story behind his buck that he got. If you guys want to see what that looks like, head on over to the Instagram page at Michigan Life Outdoors and be sure to uh, you know check out those photos and congratulate Carson. But he just takes us through some strategies, uh, what we're doing, kind of like what we're seeing here in Southeast Michigan, um, and we just go through our you know our rut process right now. Hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, if you're listening to this, this is coming out the week before opening. Good luck to uh, all you rifle hunters out there. That'll be opening here in in the state of Michigan on November 15th. Uh, So without any further ado, here's Carson and I. All right. Dude, this has been a while since we've been all, well, we're still not all together.
2: (laughs) Busy people, huh, Lee? Welcome to Ohio. Yeah. Welcome to camp.
1: Thanks for uh, letting me come down here and check out this Beautiful trophy you got on the ground here. What do you think? Tall, dude, isn't he? Dude, I think he's awesome. My first
2: non-typical buck. He's probably... I don't know what the score is. He's got so much mass here. 135 maybe. But I don't care what score is. That thing's got five on one side, three on the other. Super tall, one brow tine, Just all whacked and different.
1: Tell the, tell the listeners what you call him. Um... I don't, I don't lefty,
2: know. Lefty, right? You need, uh, oh, we you have told lefty. Me lefty. Uh, lefty. We have a lot of lefties. So on this property, we've had a lot of uh, left, strong antlers uh, on the left side. Okay. The real lefty, the original lefty, was uh, really special, like one seventy, one eighty. And wait, we saw him camera a bunch of time, neighbor saw him, everyone knew he was there, and then he just disappeared. They seen him all last year, all this year, no trail cam pictures, but I haven't heard of anybody getting him either, and deer like that is pretty special, but um, that was the lefty name. This was just the, the non-typical 5x3, we kept calling the 5x3, and he uh, was my favorite buck that we had a, a trail cam picture of, so I stayed on that property, third hunt, got lucky, walked right up. Uh, the quick story was, I uh, hear him coming, hear him coming, I'm looking, and I'm looking, I'm, I've got to be close. i got three cameras, a camera on myself, two other cameras going, trying to film myself. <laughs> the like, juggle. Yeah, the juggle. My heart's beating. All, I look up. About 40 yards, 50 yards. Uh, a whole bunch of turkeys come up. Oh, man, just turkey tricked me. Shut the camera off. Shut the camera off. Shut the camera off. Look up. And he's splitting the turkeys, walking right between them. The turkeys kind of spread out. And he just mows the path like Jesus coming through just right through the (laughs) middle.
1: Make way. Here comes Big Daddy. And
2: I'm like, oh, my gosh. And at first, from that far away, you know, he's not super wide about uh, 18 inches wide or so. I'm like, oh, it's probably one I'm going to pass. I look a little closer. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's the 5x3. That's the target buck. I recognized him. And so I had to turn all the cameras back on. Now now he's getting closer, and he's kind of, like, on a mission, walking. Like, he's doe-searching, just getting on the move. And I'm reaching up, turn this camera on, turn this camera I already had them all on. I just showed them back off. I heard him coming, but I thought it was the turkeys. It was the turkeys. He comes up, and he's kind of facing me. Uh, usually wait for a broadside shot, but I've had a lot of experience. I'm like, I can make that shot. And, he, and he's going to, any closer, he's going to get to my stand. I'm scared he's going to smell where I walked in and stuff. And I'm try to stop him. He doesn't stop. He's just, he's just moving. Cameras are rolling. You guys will probably see that on YouTube. And pull back, right? I was going to aim right between the shoulders, like more up front. And this mess of antlers is in the way. I can't shoot because he's got these huge brow tines and all antlers. He's like, has a force field. So I got to move it back a little bit more towards like the last couple ribs. And put a shot on him. Uh, We let him lay overnight just to be sure, but he only went 100 yards. Just he probably dead him in
1: We should probably tell the folks, first off, what time of year it is. So, it's prime time. It's November. Um, (laughs) You got a dick on you? Yeah. (laughs) What the crap? So, I came down here to Ohio. Uh, I was passing through the area for work, and I knew these guys were down here. And Carson's down here, and he's he's caping out this animal. And, I, I mean... Yeah. How many, how many ticks are coming off this animal This right is now?
2: crazy. It is frosted last couple nights. We're early November. I mean, it's been down to 25 degrees. We had them quartered up, and this thing is covered with ticks. So, we brought Lee here, and uh, we said, I'm going to skin out the face because I can't bring him back to Michigan with... The, um, the, the brain in the core right? Uh, it's a Michigan law and a lot of states are like that you have to sure. check on your rules but I want to get this bad boy mounted and so I'm like here come watch how I skin out the face and I already have him quartered up I already uh, just have the hide here up to the neck and have it on a nice table here and I'm going to start skinning out the face but yeah these ticks are I can't believe they didn't die it's been freezing but
1: <laughs> <laughs> well that's one good thing to to be aware of even if you're in Michigan listening to this i mean it's you know you always got to be careful with with the amount of ticks that come off these things and it seems like every year everyone says it's a bad tick year but i can say for sure this year it's been Awful with ticks, at least down here in Southeast Michigan. Yeah. But uh so you know, everyone listening to this right now, it is prime time. It is the first week of November, yeah. coming into the end of it, and uh, it's rut. I mean, it's it's prime time. These these bucks are out chasing right now. This is the time. Obviously, you want to be in the woods. And in my opinion, it doesn't matter what time you get in the woods of day. You're talking right, about. exactly. Like. If you got to drop the kids off at school or you got to be around and you got a couple days off, go out there at nine o'clock after you drop the kids out and just sit all day because these deer are going to be moving around. If you've got cell cameras out, you probably know that you're seeing a lot of activity during the day. Uh, you're probably seeing bucks you haven't seen all year. That's that, very true. That are coming in from other other properties and things like that because they're running. But one thing I wanted to touch base on right now is what kind of I guess I I should say, what kind of tactic did you have in mind going into this hunt?
2: So, we're very blessed to have a couple different properties. And really, we're letting the cameras do the work. We've been out of there for months. We have cell links, so they're sending us the pictures on our phones. And... We're not really patterning the deer with these. We're just inventorying them. This buck's on this property. This one's on this property. This one's been here in the last three days. This one's got a cycle of every seven days or or whatever's going on. And so we play the wind and we play our access points. And then I hunted this property um, three times because I, I was just after this buck and it, and it was a good property too. but i hunted three different stands on that property so each time i hunted was a fresh stand never hunted clean walked
1: in there and third time's a charm Got him. how crucial is the win because a lot of guys like they'll think like oh i only got five days off and i gotta get into this stand and I, this, this is my stand this is my spot but you can really blow it out every if, every opinion is
2: different i would say um Kelly's probably a little better at tree stand, my brother, at honey Tom, too. I just, I'd walk up on the ground and shoot him. Seems easier to me. Yeah. I guess that's not the norm. Most people get them on a tree stand. This is my second uh, big buck ever out of a tree stand in my life. And you've seen the, the trophy wall. Got yeah. a whole handful of them. Every other one, I walk up on the ground and shoot them, um, which is pretty ironic and crazy. That's it. We got to have a podcast about walking.
1: Call you the ground mole, man. That was it. Sneak. I'm slow, but I
2: get there. Um, yeah, so. Wind is absolutely huge if you know which way they're coming. If you have a camera that they're always coming from the north or the west or, you know, whatever direction, well, then, yeah, hunt the wind. But if he's coming one way, then the other way, then changing up, well... Then my argument would be: Does the wind really matter as much? Because you don't know if he's on this side or this side, unless you can pattern. All right, he's betting here; he should be coming here. Yeah. And regular, um, some spots are funnels are crossing your intersections. I have deer come from all ways. Granted, I'm going to screw one way from the wind, but the other three are good. Or, um, and, and the bucks really want the wind, and you don't want them to have the wind. So, in my opinion, the perfect wind is blowing at them but not blowing at them almost like at an angle almost off them you know yeah. 30 degrees off yeah. they think they're good they're heading that direction sure they think they're covered but if you can use terrain like a waterways or a ditch or a ravine that they can't cross and my wind is going directly into that ravine where they can't go that's my favorite wind and the other thing you look on your cell phone and you say oh it's a I don't know. Northwest wind coming down. Perfect. You get out there and it's a west wind or it's a north wind and the degrees are off where your train or the thermals are coming down or up. And so. The wind, yes, there could be talk about days about the wind, but actually going out and checking, uh, dropping some scent that travels, uh, a, little, a little puffer puffer or something like that. And then knowing, a lot of times I'll go out there and I have three stands in mind or two or something, and I'm like, well, I actually get to the property. And I'm like, man, that second stand's better than the first one. But from my phone, I couldn't really get that because you're talking about minor degree changes.
1: What do you think this buck was doing? You think he was bedding when he came out, or what? What do you think? No, I yeah, I think he he
2: got up. It was uh, two hours before dark, so he, he probably just got up. It's a very in the woods, in the middle, um, he, he very safe. Feeling, you know, gotcha. he's still in the middle of the woods. We have a couple of ravines that kind of funnel him right to this spot. They have a it was a select cut, so there's some tree toppers too. So they they kind of have to walk within 25 yards, and we have the tree stand right in the middle. It's a perfect setup, and uh, I think he's just cruising, looking for does. I think it started. Uh, he, he wasn't on a hot doe, wasn't following one, but he wasn't the cautious, slow looking around like the normal big bucks are. It's, he's just step, 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 step. He, he's covering some ground, yeah, some movement, and we've had. Him on, um, on this property many times in the previous week. So he's just moving, moving, moving. He moved too much and got in trouble.
1: Now, I know he's just gotten up or you thought you thought he'd just gotten up. Had you seen much activity going on down there? Does more separated, bigger does by themselves? Uh, any other smaller bucks chasing anything like that?
2: So the sign would show that it was not rut or pre-rut. I saw two bucks together, which was extremely weird. They were young, though. Okay. And then I saw all the does that we've been seeing have been in groups. Now, they're kicking the button bucks out, and sometimes they're... Um, next step would be separating you know the yeah. individual but they've been kicking the button bucks out and they've been uh but then we've seen chasing so it wasn't real aggressive breathing chasing but it's walking doe runs away the buck loses interest and the buck gets back interest and not and you're talking about this was five days ago now so right. it's probably i saw videos on my buddies posting now it's it's on the eighth yesterday was my favorite day in michigan to hunt
1: yeah i mean in michigan it feels like you know well the weather's warming up up there um, you know it, it's a we've got a cold front coming in this later on this week so i think that's going to switch things up and anybody listening to this obviously as you know uh, openers on monday for the rifle michigan november 15th that's right in michigan so you're going to want to be in the woods if you can these next five you know four days leading up to that because those deer once they start to hear those gunshots they know something's wrong we all know this they kind of st- that throws off their pattern typically by then they're not really in the rut anymore if they are it's it's the last part of the rut and then you know you've got a short window now to to go after your target buck because, you know, he, he's going to bed down. He's not going to get up much during daylight hours. And, uh, it almost kind of pushes him back into that nocturnal kind of thing.
2: Changing fast. It could also change in a good way. If you don't have a buck on a property that you may be a target buck that you're going after. Um, after opening day you could have some show up especially if you have some thick cover like it, they just move and change
1: right the other thing too is yeah like you said like that you might have a buck that you don't have on camera and you know the time is ticking down too so if you got a decent buck that you hadn't seen before you think he's mature enough where you're you're comfortable with you know taking him just because you don't have him on camera or, or the one that you know, you thought that you would have this year that four-year-old, you know, 140, 150 one fifty-class deer. If you're happy with it, I would pull the trigger or send the arrow now because you don't know what's going to happen here in the next four to five weeks. You might not see another buck the entire year. Or you might sure. only you might only see spikes, and you don't feel comfortable shooting spikes. If you see a decent, you know, eight point or whatever makes you happy, I would say go ahead this time of year after rut, let it fly.
2: Don't yeah. pass a buck on the first day that you would shoot on the last day. Exactly.
1: Yeah. We all get in this predicament. Um, it's different in Michigan too, because I know we all have a lot of us have the combo tags so we can we can take two bucks. That's a whole nother story. But yeah, yeah I'm not nuts about that. Um, but you know if you're like, well I'll shoot this this little buck now and then, you know, have my hopes for the big buck later on. I mean, when it gets down to it, how many of us still have that other buck tag in our pocket that we didn't use or, you know, and we're wishing we would have sent an arrow earlier in the year or, or something like that so anybody listening to this you know it, if you still want to go after that mature buck during the rut right now is your time to do it but uh, i'd say in the next week or two if if you're seeing less and less sign or less activity and you see a buck that you're you know you're comfortable with taking and it might not be your biggest one i'd say go ahead and let, let the arrow fly or the the bullet fly I hear you. And there's pros and
2: cons to that. In some in some ways, I would say, oh, I don't like the two buck rules because they're doing just that. And you know them sure. And there's more hunters in Michigan. On the other hand, who cares if you are happy and it gets your heartbeat. And Kelly's oh. a great example. He just shot a really nice buck, I think, two days ago down here. And uh, he, he, I'm only going to shoot 150. Jaws line. Probably not going to get one this year. That's what his, he was saying, 150. All of a sudden, one thirty comes by. It's perfectly broadside. So video camera only. He's like, my heart was beating out of my chest. My adrenaline was pumping. I was so fired up. I couldn't pass it up. I'm like, I don't care if it's a spike or a little buck or a doe. or If you can get that much excitement out of harvesting the deer and make a good ethical shot, and then you get to feed it to your family, that's a
1: win-win-win all the way around. I agree totally. I think. A lot of us get too wrapped up, especially this time of year. If you if you're on social media, which I, a lot of people are, you're seeing a lot of big bucks down, which is great. And then you like you feel like you've got this pressure on you, like you've got to get a big one, or like, oh man, like I've got to wait out for something like this. I wouldn't do that. I agree totally with what you just said. If your heart's beating, and man, you're jazzing the stand, and you've got buck, you know that buck fever where you're shaking and you're stoked about it, and you haven't got one yet, man, I. would I agree. Let it fly. Well,
2: and put that into perspective. Right? So, at social media, people share these super special deer. Right. And you're talking about a network of thousands and thousands of people. Even if you have a couple hundred friends on this or this network or the social media thing. Right. They're sharing their other buddy's friend, another buddy's friend. You're, you're talking about a huge network, especially if it's a really, really big deer. Right? It gets yeah. shared upon shared upon shared upon shared thousands of times. Um, we were talking about that in our close little hunting camp down here. And we are like, man, just a mile away, there was this buck and this buck. That's three bucks within a mile. I'm like, there's probably, uh, or I'll say five miles. There's probably 100 people hunting within five miles here. This is right. the spot, right? This is where you want to be. I'm like, and we got three. We all talk about this. three. Like, oh, they're so close. They could run a property. And some of them were on a property. We have pictures of or not. But if you look, that means 97 of them. Didn't get that big buck, right? But we don't think that way. We think, oh yeah, they're right here. They're, they're getting these big bucks all around us. All oh, these are super special. I'm like if you add up every all of our bucks, you get you know it takes one every ten years to get a true special one like that. Sure. So keep in perspective that don't like your mind. Oh, everyone's getting big bucks. Why? Because you saw ten of them on social media where what about the other 2,000 friends that haven't posted one that day? Right. Right. So keep that in perspective of how many people are really posting. And if you get one, I post the heck out of it. <laughs> yeah. I take a picture. It looks like a dang elk back there, but I'm proud of the deer. The deer needs justice. I, but I take a picture I try to smile and look my best well I think I owe the deer to look its best and look big get the camera down low and it's fun you know and you can talk about
1: it you guys got the poop art arm pump too the hand up in the air the fist up in the air I mean you guys are always stoked in your photos when you get something and you can uh, you can see the passion pouring through in your photos if you're excited about it shit show the world don't put a lot of work into it yeah. I also think it's
2: Respecting the deer, of oh wow, this is a special animal. Also, it's like, hey, I worked my butt off for this thing, and this is when I finally decided to pull the trigger. We're year round. I mean, listen to all our podcasts here. We're always doing something to work on this. It's well,
1: think about it too. Like your family back home, you're taking time away from them as well. If you go down there and you're not showing you're excited, it might not sit over with the family very good after a while. You got to be pumped. Let it pour out. Show how you know happy you are to. To put in the time and get animals like that.
2: There's special memories, too. Them photos last a long time. We we do actually spend quite a bit of time on photos. We'll take a half hour and throw out 100 pictures on our phone. You can delete them if you don't. But sure. get a really cool picture. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to put that on a wall in 20 years. Oh, look at that one. You know, it's right. Show the kids, all that kind of stuff. It's a memory. Pretty special. So, as we're going right now, Lee, I am skinning out, I call it degloving, skinning out the face and the skull of this this buck um i started
1: yeah tell, okay so basically you cape it out like it for you normally would for a shoulder mount yep
2: so i hung it out butchered it capered caped it out hung it upside down head down scanned it got the quarters the back straps inner loins, and that's the you know, the harvest, that's
1: the meat. Right. So, the easy thing to do would be to leave it like this. And if you wanted to keep it in Ohio, down here in Ohio, take it to a taxidermist, yep. you wouldn't have to do any of this. Done. Set it off. You already told us that you're doing this because you want to bring it back to Michigan. So, then you, you must have a taxidermist that you recommend or you want to use. Yep. So, basically, what we're doing now, tell them after the cap- it's caped out where you started on the head to start peeling back in the, to keep the cape good. Perfect. A couple of
2: reasons to do this. One is bring it back to the taxidermist in your state. And multiple states, I cannot bring back into Michigan. law, right. well. And a lot of states have this rule. It's very common. Um, two, if I wanted to freeze it, say it was warm out and I was still hunting down here for a couple more days or in some other state or in Michigan, I wanted to keep hunting. Um, if I don't have access to a, a freezer or this doesn't fit in my freezer, I can de-glove it out and skin the face out. Yeah. Also, bigger animals you're in Colorado or out West or, you know, some of these States, the, like an elk head, for example, that weighs 40 some pounds. You're trying to pack it out with all your meat. You just can't handle it. So that's just the head. That's not including the cape
1: just, and everything yeah, else. That's
2: just the head. So if you can skin it out and wedge out the antlers, you can get rid of all that unnecessary weight that has to be done anyways. And you can pack out lighter. So back to the start, how I get here, we skin it down. Um, Take away the quarters, all the meat. I skin it as far up the neck as I can while it's still hanging.
1: Basically, you're rolling back the sock and you're 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 rolling it up towards the antlers. Yes, and you're trying to get obviously as much neck meat as you can out without starting to damage the back part of the head. Basically, exactly.
2: So uh, another thing, if you're going to mount an animal, I used to stop at the rib cage um, when I'm gutting it. Uh, cutting up, I used to stop at the rib cage. I'm going to mount this one. First thing the taxidermist do does is cut from where you stopped up to the back of the leg. They have to do that to get the form in there. So now we cut up not all the way like you would a doe. When I'm talking about gutting from the bottom now, when it's still whole, so you don't break the chest cavity. I used to break. The, I used to not break
1: the sternum. The chest Anybody listening like the sternum. The
2: sternum. Now I go halfway up the sternum a little bit. Okay. And then I V off to the back side, the white yep. side of the leg, and V off to the back white side of the little leg. So I'll stop at the sternum when I'm just gutting it. Then when I have it hanging, I continue that cut, I guess it's two different times. Yep. I stop just a little bit into the sternum. I used to not go in the sternum at all. Now I go four inches up, Okay. four or six inches up. Depends on the big is. Now I'm to the middle of the sternum. I'm not all the way up by the neck, but I'm halfway up the sternum, right where I'm going to start to V towards the armpits, I would call them. So I stop right there. I got it. I take it back to wherever you're taking it back, hang it up. Then from this point, as I'm skinning down, you know, it's upside down the legs first around the, the small of the back. I get up to that chest cavity. I cut down to, I cut the legs off, right? So you're not using those. I cut now from the sternum, the middle of the sternum to the armpits and then back down the white side or the back of the leg.
1: Be like the elbow of the front legs. Yes, exactly.
2: To the elbows. Then I continue to deglove it, skin it all the way down to the face, like we said, all the way um, far towards the head as we can. If the antlers get in the way, far as you can. Then I stop. I stop right there. I cut off the neck. Now you just have a small portion of neck and the head and the hide. You know, keep as much as you can. You want to go extra, right, far back if you're going to do a a, a, a shoulder mount. Yeah. Then I come back up. Now I finish harvesting my meat, cleaning all that up. You know, I did that two days ago. Yesterday, I cleaned it all. I've got it for sausage, the back straps. I vacuum sealed everything. Now, I'm back onto the cape and the head so I can bring it back to Michigan and get it mounted. So, I had this in the refrigerator the whole time. Now, I start at the base of the back of the antler. And I V it back towards the body would be. Gotcha. That makes sense. Then I take the other antler, I V it back. Once them two Vs come together from the back of the antler towards the body, back of the antler towards the body, then I continue straight back down where the spine would be, the top. Then I go as far down as necessary to clear it over the little bit of a nub of the neck that I have left. So I just V from the back of the antlers, back down towards the body, on the top on the back of the deer until I can clear it over.
1: I'm going to get an up close photo of it and then we can almost show the listeners of what we're talking about. And I can post it on the, the Instagram page. So My life outdoors. Just starting.
2: Step one. And then you have another picture right here. You can see where I veed it.
1: Okay. Hang on.
2: Let me get that one. All right. So I veed on the back of the antlers towards the top of the neck just enough to clear it. Now, this is around the neck where the regular neck would be. is still all de-socked or gloved, connected, no cuts in it.
1: And We're starting on the back of the head because this is where the taxidermist can hide his sewing and getting the hide back together. You wouldn't want to do this from the bottom up because a lot of times you're looking at an amount and it's elevated. so You'd see the bottom of it and you could see maybe where the cape would come together. If you start up top and you do it up there, it's easier for the taxidermist to hide all that on top of the head.
2: They sew it back together and the hair is very long here, easy to cover up. Even if I lay it down and I can have a... Quarter inch gap between that cut, you can't see it. Right, the hair is super long. Um, I do not want to start underneath where these hairs are fine and it's white, right. and it's clean, where you see it. So you start on the back, on the top of the head, behind the antlers. You v it together just to get it clear in that. After that, I went around one antler as far as I can go, just kind of peeling the skin away from the skull. And now I'm going to start the other side to cut. Sharp knives are huge. Yeah, This is a Havlon changeable blade, almost like a long scalpel, a couple inches long. It's a 60A stainless scalpel.
1: Yeah. It's brand new. Yeah. you, You guys don't want it. Big long blades, like or wide blades, either that like you use for, for skinning out or like uh, cutting up the meat. Like this, what I'm looking at it looks like an extended long, like he said, scalpel. It's just yep. extremely pointy, easy to maneuver around the antlers, the base of the skull, and things like that. And looks like it's pretty damn sharp, too.
2: So sharp. It's two and a half inches long. Just got it. I mean, I can shave with this thing. It's so sharp. I'll only use it a little bit. If, even if I'll go halfway on this, I'll change it out. I'll just get a new blade.
1: I like those blades that you can change them out like so that. So convenient.
2: It is so sharp and just easy. And I have a pile of them, change them out. They're affordable. I also have here a little scalpel. Um, I buy these online. Again, very, very reasonable. I don't know, 50 cents or a dollar a piece or something very reasonable. Very small blade, maybe a half inch total. Super small. And this will be intricate when I get to the eye socket and the eye um, tear duct. That's the hardest part for me. And I've done about, uh, I don't know. 10 15 of these in my lifetime. I'm getting better, but I'm still I'm still not the best, right? You just get a little and watch some videos and learn how to do it and maybe start on a dog where it, it doesn't, you know, maybe an animal that you're not going to mount.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. And the other thing too is if you have a favorite taxidermist that you go to, call him or her and ask her like ask them, what do you prefer? Like what What's easiest for you? What makes your job easier? You could probably save a couple bucks if you do this part, or you can take it to them. But I think it's cool if you learn how to do it yourself. Because like you said, if you're in the back country and you've got an extended hunt... Um you know, and you got the time. It's a cool skill to learn how to do, especially if you're packing out to drop weight. Um, you know, a bunch of other things. But check with your taxidermist and just ask where, what's best for them and their practices and what they like to do. Um, that way, you've got an idea when you go in the field. You you know exactly what the recipe is for that.
2: Absolutely, good good points, good advice.
1: So we've got let's say six seven days left of this rut activity going into rifle. How would you? How would you? If you had six days to hunt, how would you spend your time in the woods and what would you be doing?
2: Time and pressure. More time, more more you can go after it, the better. I would go out, like you said, any time of day. If you have to work till two o'clock, go out at two o'clock. It's five different than I would in the out of rut season right every time of day is good time right now right and then i would hunt by thickets them does often are trying to hide they're trying to get away from the bucks and the bucks are going after them so the the does are going in the thick stuff to hide also if a buck doesn't have a doe at that time he's searching and he knows search the thick stuff so he's going through the thicket so thicket open woods thicket or thicket field thicket or on the edge of a thicket. I wouldn't stay by the thick stuff. Um, of course you still got to be able to shoot. Right. Right. But, um, I would stay in the woods now a couple, three weeks, a month ago, I was hunting food sources, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it'd be a crop or a food plot or whatever else. Um, now I'm just going thickets and going wherever the does were. So we have a couple spots on camera. Last two months, zero bucks, all does, 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 does. Now that's the spot where the hottest buck sign is and the most bucks are showing up, which completely flip-flopped and changed. But learn, get cameras, learn from your cameras, spend time scouting, spend time in the woods. But right now, if I had six days, I'd be in the thicket hunt. Um, Tom hunted, uh, I think the last seven days, He's taking an hour and a half off each day, so he hunts from light before light. You know, uh, yeah. getting out there, getting set up, first light, all the way till about noon, twelve thirty. Sometimes that noon's a magical hour too. Twelve thirty comes in, gets a lunch regroups, switches clothes, repacks his pack with more snacks and food, goes back out there till dark. He's been doing that for a whole week. That's a dedication time. <laughs> Good family, buddy. He's been cranking. He's passing.
1: Tommy's grinding right yeah, now.
2: he's grinding hard. Got to throw him under the bus a little bit. He had an opportunity of a special uh, half rack with a big old giant half rack. One side had a bunch of spikes coming off this side. Really weird rack. And Tom's the best shot ever. It comes in. It's like coming out he's like oh it's gonna come right out here 15 yards and it uh it's coming up it's about 35 yards he knows where it's at he ranges it all before he's smart he's a great hunter and then it just turns 90 degrees and starts cutting in the woods he's like oh i shit. just <laughs> had that. Well, two more steps it's gone right it's like on the edge and it, you think it's going to keep coming down the edge and him, it just turns he's like this is my chance now or not so he's like 35 he goes pull back he's in a different stand. I think Kelly hung this one. We'll blame him. How about that?
1: <laughs> Look, KP. So he both <laughs> Tom, will give you a chance to defend yourself here, but continue yeah, on. Blame it on Kelly, right? <laughs> uh, so he, he both pull back.
2: He hits the uh, the tree, the tree with his um arm, because he has two trees next to each other. He goes pull back, hit the tree. Oh crap, he has to adjust down, slide down in his seat, get his butt down so he can have a full drawback. Meanwhile, he's thinking he's got two seconds. He knows that 35. He his two pins are, I think. Uh, 20 and 34, 20 and 35 or something where his two pins yeah. are the spot hog. And so he's like, use the second pin. And he's pulled back. He forgets that in his mind because he's hitting the tree. He gets a little bit flustered. Pulls back. aims right at it. Perfect shot. Smooth release. It, it But he uses his 20 pin. His top pin.
1: Goes right underneath Goes
2: Right underneath it. it. Two inches underneath the pocket. and just <laughs> hits the ground. The buck doesn't know what's going on. Tom's like, oh my God, what did I do? It's all on video. The video has him his bow, John, and the buck all lined up. You can see everything oh, in man. the video. Th-
1: that'll be some good fu- footage to review. We have to break that down like second by second here.
2: Oh yeah, and he's like, at first he's like, "Oh, I saw a buck." We're like, "Man, I can't." I thought you wanted that one. Why didn't you shoot? And he just doesn't say anything. It took two days for him to tell us. <laughs> 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 oh, Tom, we love you, but. uh That happens. That happens to everybody, man. It's at the time. If you have more time, you can adjust. But when you're in a hurry, you're like, oh my gosh, my opportunity is now or not. And uh, he just
1: slipped and and didn't didn't aim high like he should have. I want to get your opinion back home. We've had a lot of rain uh, in Southeast Michigan. Um, I'm not really sure about other parts of the state. I'm pretty sure it's been pretty wet everywhere. A lot of the farmers cannot get in the fields. To, normally, this time of year, a lot of the crops would be off. So, yeah. that's one thing that we're fighting with. And I think it's a unique situation um, this year. There's a lot of corn still up. Yep. Beans, really not that much. But there's a lot of corn for those deers to hide in and things like that. How would you suggest to a hunter listening to this back home to hunt those kind of areas that still have a lot of crops up around them, a lot of areas for those deer to hang out in and not specifically, you know, out in the open like they typically are this time of year.
2: Yeah, so um, if they're chasing, they're going to make tons of noise, keep that in mind. If it's a quiet day, you hear them running, all right. If you have a water spot in the crop field where the the crop was lower or died, I would sit on a five-gallon bucket in that spot if they're in the corn. If it's a windy day and I've done this like 20 times. I'm over 20, but it's going to work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Statistically, he's on track to at least have it work one time. This is a
2: great idea. It's never worked for me. so We'll start with that. If it's super windy and you're in the middle of the day, I've walked corn row to corn row. And, you, and Especially if you have a good farmer, there's no weeds. You can stop. You can look down 25 yards. My bow 25 yards is so windy. The noise doesn't matter at all. And I've looked. And I've come upon does like that, but I've never come upon a buck. And the does, I'll be 10 yards from them. I can see their butt and I'm looking. And they just don't. They're not even looking. They're they're smelling. But they're just, you know, walk uh, maybe with, into the wind. Sure. And uh, side by side. So if you ever see a buck or a desired deer or just want to try it, now is one of the unique times because we have so much crop up. Walk uh walk in the cornrows row by row by row. And especially if you see a buck that goes in there and then, you know, it's ten o'clock. All right, he's not chasing the doe He might be down for the day. A lot of times they'll just go straight in and bed down, maybe right. not even far. Go to that. Track them right down. Go slow. Only works on super windy days. But another uh back pocket. I can't wait to get a deer like that one day. Some of them fields are big. You walk for hours, but uh I'm over 20, but 21 might work. We'll see.
1: I got a big up, uh, you know, the entire field back basically behind my house is still standing corn back there. And, you know, when I get home and I'm hunting this weekend, that was one thing that crossed my mind. It's like, you know, rut activity, you think they're going to be running around, you know, nonstop, just out in the open or in the woods. That corn is a great area where those does feel like you were talking earlier, those thick covers and things like that. Yeah. They'll use that corn the same way. So Uh, they'll they'll be hiding from those bucks. They'll kind of be away from them a little bit, trying to get away so if you can do your due diligence ahead of time walk around the cornfield see where the tracks are heavier maybe they've got an entry point of where they kind of go in um you know, use that. If it's windy, use the five-gallon bucket technique, or hide in the brush, or on the the creek. Um, you know where the brush rows at. Try to see if you can get them come in and come out. Switch it up. It's a time of year where you can get away with a lot. Um, Absolutely. Just because the bucks are, you know, they got one thing on their mind and one thing only. So, you can get out there and change it up. You know, try to try to adapt to the situation, and um, yeah. So. Well, I guess everybody listening to this, we just want to wish you good luck on Opening Day Rifle in the state of Michigan. We are going to get back on track. We've been super busy with trips out west. You know, these guys went out in Colorado. We're definitely going to... You guys heard that on the last podcast about how they did out there. Uh, we'll get into my trip in a few weeks. Um, I just got back from Montana a little bit ago as well for elk out there in the mountains. We're going to share some tips and tricks with you guys for that. If it's, if you're planning a hunt for 2022 of what you can do. But wanted to wish all you Michiganders good luck on opening day uh, this Monday, November 15th. Um, you know, aim small, miss small, shoot straight. We wish you guys all the best. And, uh, yeah, any closing thoughts for you, Carson?
2: couple rules.
1: Patient hunter gets the
2: buck. Yeah. Give it five more minutes. Um, three rules. Our dad told me. I tell my kids. They're simple, but if you follow them, you'll be a much better harvester, I'll call it, after you get that 20. Wait for a good shot. The right angle, right distance. Wait for your time. Don't don't jump the gun. Wait for a good shot. Pick the hair you want to hit. Yeah, it's aim small, miss small. Yep. You know, drill small, tight. Smooth release. Yep. Boot goes with the gun and the bow, right? Slowly yeah. squeeze the trigger. I tell my son, he's seven. Uh, last year, he harvested an eight point buck, and little breakers of five are shooting crossbows. You're not strong to pull them back. But after you shoot, I want you to still aim at that spot. I'll count to three, I tell them. Or you're seven, I count to seven. I make it my point to this is I want them to still stay on it after they shoot. So those are the rules. Uh, came from my dad passing down, but they're simple. But I still tell myself on this buck, wait for a good shot. Yep. Here, you want to hit smooth release, and uh, yeah, good luck out there. Have fun, enjoy your time, reflect on
1: life. It's a it's a therapy, I believe. It's a good day. I mean, here's my other advice. I know sitting in a blind or sitting in a tree stand all day is extremely tough. But opening day, if you want to talk about all bets are off, deer are being pushed everywhere shots are being fired they're constantly up moving around if you sit in your blind all day long and you can bring the snacks out there Mm -hmm. bring the coffee out there whatever it is you know nowadays a Yeti will keep your coffee hot all day long (laughs) sit in the stand all day long or in the blind and don't get up just challenge yourself for one day November 15th see if you can do it if you've never done it before I promise you you're going to see some activity and some and, and, and times of the day that you didn't think were possible and you know big bucks cruise through there it might only be for you know a minute or two but but if you weren't in there and you're in, you know, eating chili, you'd miss your opportunity. So if you haven't done so and you're listening to this, stay in that blind all day long and uh see how it pays off. All right, everybody. Good luck and uh we'll catch you here next time. Thanks for listening.